This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast. My name is Carl Valeri, and I'm joined by Robert Geyer, and tonight we are actually going to answer some of your email questions. Before we get started, I just want to say thanks to all those that have signed up for coaching. Of course, if you're looking for career coaching, interview preparation, and you're trying to figure out what you want to do in your life and your career in general, you can go to our website, aviationcareerspodcast.com coaching. Also, another quick announcement, uh, we have a new learning platform, uh, and you can find that in the membership section. If you've already signed up for membership, Uh, Let me know because we're transferring to that new platform. You still have access to all the courses that we have online, like the Practical Guide, the Winter Flying, the Pilot Jobs Book, Flying Safely IFR, and and a whole bunch of other different courses that are technical. We're moving all those, and they're called bundles in in our new format of courses. We're coming out with new courseware all the time, and one of those things is going to be some, well, we're going to try to get some other things that would really interest you. For instance, your resume. Uh, We get those questions quite a bit. So we're going to have a little resume course out there too. Uh, And of course, all the other courses we have from the Stuck Mike Avcast, those are more general aviation courses, but they have there is a lot of different technical courses in there, like doing descend via clearances, etc. Also within the course where things like, you know, should you become an airline pilot, should you choose a career in aviation are all out there. All really, really good stuff. But anyway, uh, again, uh, joining me is Robert Geyer. Robert, welcome to the podcast this evening. It's great to hear from you uh, now that there is no flooding, I'm assuming, in Houston area. Yeah, we uh, we were fortunate, it made out okay, no flooding here. So uh, thanks for having me back on. Yeah, I saw the pictures and it was pretty incredible. We uh, were hit ourselves here, obviously, and it's uh, slowed some things down, especially with our flight team. As a matter of fact, I should mention that uh, we're still trying to raise funds to go to the regionals with the flight team. So if you uh, get a chance, take a look at the website, uh, aviationcareerspodcast.com in the right column, you'll we'll see actually uh, support the flight team. Another thing, too, that some people ask me is, you know, how do I get in touch with you, that type of thing. If you notice, I put a a picture up in the top right. It says, meet your host, and there's a picture of me and uh, Eric Crump sitting in a 727, and that's the 727 that is actually the working living classroom that's over at Sun and Fun. So we get to sit in that there and, and have a lot of fun, and they also have some incredible courses there that you can take. So just click on the picture. If you want to know how to get in touch with me, I put my email out there. Uh, just go to aviationcursepodcast.com, click on my picture. Uh, anyway, let's get on with some of the questions here, and we'll get started with this first one that I wanted to read. It's a little bit out of order because it just came in, but he's commenting on a past podcast. Uh, he, and it starts with, uh, good morning. You mentioned on your most recent podcast to get five hours towards becoming an MEI. I've read the FARs and because I'm looking to do so myself, and it says you need 15 hours PIC in that type aircraft. But I've heard other people say five. Where is this coming from? Okay, so what I want to explain is our discussion. I I think within the discussion, the context was that you want to try to get to 
be able to instruct in as many multi-engine aircraft as possible. To be able to instruct in a multi-engine aircraft, you have to have five hours of pilot and command time in that specific make and model of multi-engine aircraft. And that's under FAR 61195. And the point we really were trying to make is, hey, you know, get out there and try to get in as many multi-engine planes as you can so that you could instruct in those. I know, uh, Robert, you never did get your multi-instructor, but we're able to build time in the different types of aircraft. And a lot of people will ask, well, why do, why do people say I need 20 hours in type? The reason they're telling you that is because of insurance. So, Robert, you actually had, you were talking about a 421 you got to fly, et cetera. Were there any limitations on, on your being able to fly in that outside the FARs, meaning through, say, the insurance or through the operator's specifications? Yeah, I had to be um, paired with another pilot who was obviously uh, under the insurance as well. Uh, usually, I be invited to go fly aircraft with the people who were the primary pilots of that aircraft. And so uh, that was where the insurance thing uh, played in played a role. Um, a lot of times uh, the people we'd be flying with would request a second pilot to go with uh, the primary pilot. And so it was a 91 type deal, so it was all legal. It wasn't like a 135 certificate. But that's, that's how I ended up getting a lot of time, especially in the 421. Uh, the situation I was in is this, the flight school I was at did not have a multi-engine aircraft to instruct out of. They did at one point. That aircraft ended up going away, and uh, we are basically a single-engine fleet, which is uh, something that you might want to consider uh, when you're looking at schools to instruct at is uh, if they have those multi-engine aircraft available to you if uh, MEI is something you desire. Yeah, that's one of the things that you know I had an issue with is the fact that, gosh, you know, I didn't have a multi-engine airplane to instruct in. And, and then all of a sudden they got one and I got hired with the airlines. I had hardly any multi-time when I got hired in the airlines. Most of my time, obviously, was just uh, renting an airplane. So anyway, what's interesting about this question, Robert, is that, uh, and I'd like to put this to some of the listeners, and, uh, you know, we never do this. So I figured I'll ask the listeners a question. So what, what do you need to get your multi-engine instructor rating? And, uh, you know, how many hours do you need of multi-time? And if someone could give us a reference in the FARs, I was going to actually point towards it, but I figured it'd be kind of fun to, to see if people would respond. And we'll, we'll update uh, this individual on a future podcast. But uh, it's actually in the N61. You can take a look. It's in there. It's not that hard to find. And it'll tell you exactly what you need to get your multi-engine rating. Uh, and your instructor rating, MEI. A lot of people, a lot of schools now, what they'll do is you'll get your multi-engine privates uh, first and then your multi-engine instructor, and then you'll go back and get your single-engine rating. And people are like, well, that's kind of different. And, and it is. Um, but I actually started with my multi-private, then got my multi-commercial, then finally my multi-instructor because uh, I was just flying privately. It was a lot of fun. Uh, anyway, well, thanks for that question. Again, we'll get back to you. And when someone answers that question, how many hours do you need to get your multi-engine instructor rating? And we'll actually uh, read it here. It'll be kind of fun. Uh, the next question comes in and says, uh, a simple question, but seemingly hard to find an answer. There are a lot of questions out there regarding the quote-unquote best regional or best airline to work for. Finding hourly pay and rudimentary work rule information is fairly easy on websites such as Airline Pilot Central. Harder to find things are like blocker better rules, commuter clauses, and the rest of the myriad of contractual labor rules that are much more impactful to prospective pilots' quality of life. Is there any place to find this type of information for various airlines, regional, major, national, etc.? 
Thanks and keep up the podcast. It's an amazing resource to hundreds, if not thousands, of prospective pilots. Well, appreciate that. The um, one of, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff out there. Number one, there's the union contracts. You can obviously go out and find those union contracts. You can ask the union. You can also another thing that I like to do is find someone at the airline and say, hey, do you mind sending me a copy of your contract? But beware, some of these contracts are really big. <laughs> We're talking four or 500 page contracts. And another thing too, anytime you see something on the internet, something that's published, it's old. Uh, it's And it's constantly having to be updated because there's rules and there's interpretations of rules and contracts that change all the time. But I know what you're trying to get at. What are some of those things that are really good in those contracts, commuter clauses, etc.? Currently, most of them are, are, are fairly on par with each other. There are some, some things like in my contract that, that I have with my airline that are much better than at other airlines. And then there are some things in our contract that are better at other airlines. So uh, honestly, the, the contract isn't the, the big, big one on my list as far as uh, you know, things that I would look for. A lot of times it's you know, commutability. Uh, pay is important uh, if it's really, really low, but it's going to always be in a certain range. Uh, and those type of things, the best thing to do is kind of reach out and try to talk to somebody that you might find at the airline. Get on social media and ask. The problem with social media, though, when you go on these forums is, boy, people can be incredibly negative, like I've always said. So be careful. You know, Just ask around. Ask your friends. Do some networking. Find out what they have. And get, get a copy of the contract. Say, I want to see. I want to take a look and see uh, what those specific rules are. And the reason it is so hard to get those uh, is the contracts are so big. I know, Robert, I'm assuming... I mean, have you read actually your whole contract? Be honest now. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there's a okay. So there's very obviously very important sections that are, I want to say more important than others. But like, I don't read the military part of the contract where it talks about mill leave and stuff. That doesn't apply to me, right? So because I'm not I'm not in a guard unit, uh, so it doesn't apply to me. So I would skip over that. Um, I usually won't read stuff about, you know, taking leave of absences unless I need it. Uh, you know, if I, I've been out on a medical leave before at my old company and I had not read that part of the contract until, Hey, it actually happened to me. So yeah, you know, basically I stick stuff with, um, compensation and scheduling are usually the, uh, the hot, the hot button issues, vacation accrual, that kind of stuff, which I think every pilot kind of reads and and stuff that applies to, their day-to-day life as they're flying the line and as issue might come up with scheduling and, and, you know, okay, is that legal? You know, uh, that, those type of questions. But, um, yeah, I, I would think uh, to add to what you say, absolutely. If you know someone from that airline, uh, it's absolutely just say, Hey, uh, send me some of the contracts. I, I've had a lot of my friends do that. Hey, uh, send me, send me all contract, especially when we got our new contract. Um, I had a lot of those requests and I didn't mind sending it out to them. Uh, and if there's the forums, grain of salt, but there might be some good people on, on, uh, the forum for the particular airline. Hey, I have a question about, uh, block or better. Do you all get paid block or better for the people who don't understand what block or better is? It would be, you, f- you get paid what the schedule block time was. And like, let's say it was an hour block. And if you fly an hour and 20 minutes, well, you're going to get paid an hour and 20 minutes for that block. But you're at least always going to get paid an hour for it, even if it only took you 50 minutes for the flight. Uh, but uh, those different aspects of the contract, uh, yeah, the, the best thing to do is just if you can, if you have an avenue, reach out to someone 
at that airline, either have them send you the contract or have, uh, if they have an open ear, ask them about this particulars in that contract. Sometimes you might only be able to find them all online if that's, if that's the only avenue you have. But if you have a friend, certainly hit them up and, and ask them the specifics. Or if you know someone, uh, job fairs might actually even be a good thing, uh, too. If you have access to go to a job fair where you can talk to the recruiters as those particular airlines, that would be a great avenue to look that up uh, as well. So those are just things that I could think of ways that I've had to in the past ask specific contract questions uh, and how I went about that. So that those are some great ideas. The uh, and, and one of the things, just a comment, the reason that you can find just rudimentary work rules and hourly pay is because just like Robert said, those are the important parts of the contract to most people. We always go to those things. Uh, the other minutiae, such as you know leave of absence, uh, your long-term disability. For instance, the airline I work for has one of the best long-term disability plans. Those kind of things, uh, they're a little bit tougher to find out. You don't think about those, especially when you're younger. Uh, but that's a, that's a great question. Uh, and again, the reason uh, most of that information is not out there is because you can make a living just going over all those different types of uh, work roles that are out there. But great, great question. One of the reasons we do coaching is the fact that uh, we try to figure out what the best airline is for you because of the fact that everything is different for every individual. There are certain things that may be incredibly important to you, like having a really great military leave policy. Uh, and But if you're not in the military, that may not be a concern of yours. So great, great question. Thanks so much. Moving on to the next question. It says, hello, everyone at Aviation Careers Podcast. First off, I want to say how much I love listening to your podcast. I'm learning quite a lot. Well, I have a few questions for you. I'm 17 years old, and I'm dying to become a pilot. I'm trying to learn what I can do to become one. I'm based in Salt Lake City and want to know what kind of opportunities lie ahead of me. What paths would you suggest taking if you could do it over again? Uh, I'm going to be a senior in high school this year. Would you personally do it during the school year? Would you say to wait until I graduate or do an accelerated flight school program? I'm also considering going to local schools such as Utah Valley University and Salt Lake Community College. Do you have any other schools you'd recommend? How about just doing it privately? So let's start with some of these questions. Uh, would, is there anything I do differently? Yeah, of course. Gosh, there's a lot of different things. Number one, I try to get as much multi-engine time as I could right away. Uh, it's not quite as important right now getting hired with a, a regional because things do change. Uh, but it's great. You have to get that rating just to get moving forward. And I didn't have that in my multi-engine commercial. Uh, and starting my ratings earlier and moving forward quicker. So when you ask, you know, about doing it during your high school years, yeah, I would I would jump into it right away as fast as you can. And and as far as accelerated training, that actually may be good for you or it may not be good for you. It depends on your specific circumstance. Do you want to actually? Do you have the money? Number one, do you have the the resources? Uh, do you want to be able to stay in school while you're getting ratings? I mean, you're really young, which is great. So you have a lot of opportunities ahead of you. Um, and as far as schools and recommendations, I will make one recommendation. It's not a school, but it's a directory of schools uh, as far as colleges. And that's Flight Training Magazine. AOPA Flight Training Magazine has a really good resource there. And I forget what month it is that they do this, but every year they have college uh, resources. So really, really cool stuff. There's also, um, as far as doing it privately, you know, there's, there's all different uh, suggestions that are on that, 
that actual episode. So it's or in that uh, magazine. I think it's October. Gosh, I can't remember. But but take a look at AOPA.org, Flight Training Magazine, and find that one. Sign up for it. If you're uh, student pilots, uh, you actually get, I think it's six months free. I think that's what it is. Uh, But go out there, fill out the card, or fill out on the website and get that for free. I know that, Robert, I think you actually, I know that you were able to solo at, at a fairly young age, close to this person's age, actually younger, I think. Correct. Yeah, I was um, actually I was really excited when I read this question because I love like I love talking to uh, people in high school who are wanting to get into this career because that was my background. So I get very excited about these questions. Um, Yes, uh, I soloed at 16 and I uh, received my uh, private certificate when I was uh, 17 as well. And I took my instrument when I was a senior in high school. So between 17 and 18, I was a senior. So I went to college with my instrument rating and it was able to work on my commercial in college and, and then go from CFI while I was in college and eventually make it. I was had not graduated school um, yet before I ended up at my first airline job and that's why I ended up finishing school online. Uh, with that said, he, he asked one thing that stuck out to me with this question was uh, it was posed, you know, what would you do differently? Um, and, and that's a great question uh, for, for me because I've, I've kind of Monday morning quarterbacks me a little bit. I've quarterbacked my own path a little bit. Uh, one thing is, uh, one of the things I did do really well uh, was uh, getting involved at, at the local airport and, and making those contacts and that networking paid off huge. So that was one thing I would not change. Uh, that was um, a, a provided fantastic opportunities for me. Uh, there's a lot of people who were able to speak their knowledge and their career wisdom uh, into my life, and that made a huge difference. Just hanging around and being in that environment. So, uh, if at all, if there's a little airport that you can get involved in out where you're at, and just go hang out and, and kind of plant yourself there and be an airport bum. Maybe even get a job uh, if if they allow it, uh, fueling uh, aircraft on the weekends or whatever. Uh, that would be a, a perfect opportunity. That's that was such a blessing uh, in my career. Um, the thing that I would probably do differently, uh, as far as a college goes is I might not have went to such an expensive school at first. Uh, I'd probably might have gone to a community college and knocked out my, uh, all my uh, core credits and then possibly did a degree in another field. The issue with that is, is I wasn't very motivated, and I did try that at one point in time where I went to an aviation school for two years, and I loved it. I loved the courses. I was very passionate about what I was studying, and it helped keep me engaged in school and actually do very well. Uh, my third year in college, I ended up moving back home to flight instruct because uh, they were paying more at the airport that I grew up around and soloed out of. So that was interesting because while I was there and back in that uh flight school instructing, I was going to another uh, state school uh, that I was a communication major for a while. And I just didn't enjoy it very much. I didn't enjoy the study. Uh, I don't know. I probably was just in the wrong degree for me, to be quite honest with you. Um, But uh, I would recommend if there's a degree that you feel like you could get that you would enjoy obtaining other than just a flying degree, just to have something to fall back on in case you lose your medical or or, or one of those cases down the line, um, I, w- I, I highly recommend that to people because for me, I have an aviation degree, which is great. Uh, I, you know, I, I love my degree. I, I'm proud of the, the degree. But if I ever medicaled out, my only field is aviation. 
there's things I can do inside of aviation that aren't flying, absolutely, but it would be nice to have another skill set to fall back on. Uh, so that, if to answer that question, if there's something I could do uh, differently, that would be it. And I just really encourage you to look at uh, the option that's going to be the best education for the best bang for your buck and uh, debt, uh, just keep the debt down um, as much as possible. And school's so expensive now. I know that's so hard to do. Um, but uh, the only reason I did graduated debt-free was because it's kind of a luck thing. And I guess it's better to be lucky than good. <laughs> but <laughs> I, it really was. Because I'll be really honest, too. I was kind of, you know, not... I didn't understand finances as as well as I should have um, back when I was that age, back in my my late teens, early twenties. So learn about debt, learn about finances, um, and and understand how that plays a role. Because when, especially when you're starting out in the aviation career, the 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 better you are financially healthy starting out, the uh, easier time you're going to have moving through those years of lower pay. So um, I, I didn't understand how all that worked, and it was just complete luck that I graduated debt-free so anywho um those were the as far as um schooling and those kind of things that's kind of my my general uh my general advice that i just throw out there i I don't know uh i'm sure carl you want to add to that or or maybe have something to say about that well yeah and i think that that's some great advice i that's actually what i did i got a degree in something totally different and it allows me to get into another field, and that's the field I was in before this. So, yeah, and it makes it a lot easier, especially when you do lose your uh, certificate or you lose, say, uh, or your job or whatever. You can go into something else. With that said, I will say one more thing. Most people, when they do get a degree, 80% of them are not actually in that field, and the statistics show that could even be higher. The The one thing you have to realize is always keep looking at at different career fields, always try to grow yourself and, and yeah, look at maybe multiple streams of income. And that's a lot of times what pilots do. They have so much time off. They wind up, um, I have a friend that's raising olives right now and he's making extra money doing olives. Another person doing aerial photography with drones and, and another person that teaches surfing and, and another person who's a mechanic on the side. So there's so many things you can get into. It may not just be a degree. It could be actually a skill. Uh, I have a friend that's a really good carpenter, and he makes quite a bit of money as a carpenter. He's excellent, does a great job. So it's something else that he can do on the side. So, uh, But, yeah, as far as the degree is concerned, uh, it's nice to have that, nice to have that aviation background. But sometimes people, and we, I see this a lot of times in the college, they'll get their aviation associates and their bachelors may be in, say, management or something totally different. Um, you know, look at me. I mean, I did, you know, computer science, math, and psychology. I was into artificial intelligence and, you know, more along the linguistics and all. And I, I'm totally not in that field at all. Uh, th- and this is, to say the least, is a, a lot more fun. So, so good stuff as far as uh, what you want to do. That's the biggest thing is figure out where you want to go and what kind of degree appeals to you. But flight time is flight time is flight time. Flying the airplane is flying the airplane. You can read about it all day and for many years, but there's nothing like getting in the cockpit and actually getting out there and uh, processing it in your brain. You know, one of the people I talked to recently asked, uh, or flight attendant asked about what we do up there and, and why we're not working so hard. And 
And, and the captain turned and said, well, what we do is more cerebral. It, it isn't physically moving. We're constantly thinking and making decisions. A lot, a lot different than, than what you think of physically flying. It's not, you know, yanking and banking all day long. So That's because you fly an Airbus. Well, yeah, we have to think. We don't have to push and pull like on the, on those Boeings. But oh, ouch! <laughs> I gotta get a lot. Of, I gotta get a lot of feedback on that one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're both great airplanes. The and and again, the, having the degree in aviation helps because you may have gotten experience on the Boeing or the Airbus before you did get to that airline. So you're going to see those systems, etc. Speaking of which, he has some good questions. Uh, continuing with his question. Um, he asks, you know, he talks about money, and he asks a question about the scholarship guide, asking when does the next one come out? Uh, really, could use some helpful resources to help pay my way through flight school. Well, there are so many resources in that scholarships guide, and it's it's interesting you mentioned that because I want to say that has become a, a really a, a rock to stand on now. And this is, I, I did not realize what I got into when I started this guide, and I'm so incredibly blessed that it's helped so many people. We have over ten million dollars of scholarships that are given away in that guide and it's growing every day. What you can do is either through high school, college, uh, graduate school, there's many different types of scholarships for different areas. We're, we're changing the format and the way we're doing things because the way we were doing it, uh, we had this online you know, database with pages of scholarships. Well, it's gotten too big, actually. So what we're changing towards is just the right now in iTunes and in the uh, Amazon bookstore, you can actually purchase the ebook. We're going to have a physical book eventually. It's going to be really expensive because to print it is really expensive. I always suggest the ebook. But what we're going to do is we're, we're continually updating it. What we're going to do is we're going to keep that updated online, both in Amazon and iTunes. We can republish that and we'll tell you about it. So when's the most recent one out? It was put out last month. And if you have an Amazon or your iTunes book, just re-download the book. You'll get the most current version. Uh, some people that have the membership, we update the version that's online as far as the uh, um, you know the actual uh, PDF file, and we might go to, back to that in the future. Uh, but I want to be able to put as many scholarships out there as possible. And what the way that we're doing it now is too slow. Uh, we are getting scholarships in almost every day. You would not believe how many scholarships. We're, we're hundreds of scholarships behind putting into the guide, and we have $10 million out there. So there's a lot of good stuff out there. Also, uh, in general, the new one comes out. Uh, we're coming out with the newest one in January. We're going to continue to do that. I know a lot of people come out with a guide, say, in September for 2018. But January 2018, the new guide will be out. And it's uh, still in 18. It's still only $10. Uh, and there's a couple things in there on how to actually go and get a scholarship. Uh, we may actually include not in the 18, but in the 19 guide or somewhere in 18, you know, how to do your resume, an actual aviation resume. Um, I am finding that's something that is a, is important to everybody because there's so many people that have never been in the aviation field and they don't understand what an aviation resume looks like. There's a good bonus to going to one of those aviation schools. They will tell you how to put an aviation resume together. It is different than other resumes. And there's things that there's a specific form. Format. It's really simple, but if you don't know how to do it, it's it's not that simple. So uh, that's one of the things, that, again, through the coaching, people that have been in other careers, they usually have a much different type of resume. Anyway, uh, also, he asked another thing. He asked, uh, are there any books or podcasts or websites or whatever that you'd recommend to gain more knowledge? I'd say yes, everything. I know that's a very broad answer, but there's so much good stuff out there. There's, uh, as far as podcasts or airline pilot guy, 
uh, airline, airplane geeks. That's more about airplanes and airlines, a little more about the business, which is kind of cool. Uh, there's uh, ready for takeoff. There's all sorts of good stuff out there. Uh, general aviation podcasts. I highly recommend them and I'll tell you why they talk about instrument flying and instrument flying is something you're going to use throughout your whole career. What you learn and your instrument ratings is really, really important, and they have a lot of good podcasts there. Stuck Mike Avcast, that's our general aviation podcast. We do a, That's what we do, learning to fly, living to fly, loving to fly. We always like to have one teaching moment where you learn something about aviation. Um, and there's other things that, you know, there, there's other things, obviously, that are, are helpful out there. You know, there's good books on, you know, what you, know, what you should do in your life, that type of thing, but one of the things that I would say is take a look at our reading list. We're about to update the reading list that we have on our website. It's called Recommended Reading. And, you know, we have the Turbine Pilot Flight Manual, uh, you know, Play Math for Pilots. There's all sorts of stuff out there. And we're actually adding more and more every day. So, uh, so definitely look into that as a resource as far as uh, books and stuff like that. Uh, as far as other websites, there's there's a modicum of, of websites and podcasts, but just look under aviation and and make sure you, you get something that's inspirational and fun and that's going to pass along knowledge to you. That is the most important thing. And, uh, and that's why we love doing this. That's for sure. And I know, and, and that's why, you know, Robert wanted to come in to help out. He's done uh, a lot of recruiting before and uh, realizes that with that knowledge, he can help so many people, which is terrific. Robert, is there any other uh, podcast websites you'd recommend uh, as far as gaining more knowledge in aviation? You're probably going to say Airline Pilot Central or something like that. <laughs> I was thinking the Stuck Mike podcast, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, no, I think you covered it. And anything that, like you just said, that excites that excites your passion and makes you fall in love with it more, that you're just going to be that more hungry to you to accomplish your goal. Um, I, I think it's good. As long as the knowledge is good and solid, uh, you're on the right track. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, just try to meet as many, as many people as you can and, and see if you can go hang out at the local airports. If, if you got one near you and just become an airport bum, just, you know, talk to the, talk to the pilots around their network. Uh, that's, that's, I can't stress that enough. You know, also what's interesting is the point you made about networking. That is incredibly important. Just hanging around the airport, you're going to find so many people are going to be helpful. And they're going to give you advice, some good, some bad, uh, but usually good. And they're going to help you out if they see that you're making an effort. People always want to help other people out. Um, also, we have one, time for one more question. It's actually the same person writing in, so I appreciate the, the next question here. Talking about getting your Class 1 medical uh, trying to find how to get your class one medical. There is actually a directory that's out there of people that can actually get you your air, class one medical, and that's an aviation medical examiner. And you can find those in a, a couple of ways and at your flight standards district office or FISDO. Uh, so you can look online, but go to FAA.gov. And if you just go to FAA.gov and you put in your medical, there's actually a directory in there. If you have a problem finding it, uh, I can actually, you know what, I tell you what, I'll just to do a link to it. it. It's it's kind of easy. It's like under licenses and certificates, medical certificate. And uh, it talks about how to obtain that. And it also talks about where the medical examiners are. Also, another thing, the only thing I would suggest on that is that talk to people, again, going back to that networking, talk to people at the airport that know people that actually have medical examiners 
that do airline pilots. In other words, they do medical exams for airline pilots. And, and you're probably thinking, well, that doesn't make sense. I thought everybody could do a medical exam. Well, here's, here's the point. There are medical examiners out there that know the specific rules that pertain to airline pilots and class one medicals better than others. They also know uh, how to help you out and how to keep your medical. And they also know how to help people that have problems with their medical. These people have so much knowledge out there, these, these senior medical examiners and folks that have been working with airline pilots a lot. Those are the kind of people you want to go to. Those are the people that, that are going to be able to help you throughout your career. And if you run into a problem with, say, high blood pressure, they know what to do. They know how to help you out. Uh, they know what medications to take. And they can calm your nerves and say, listen, this isn't a big problem. We can fix this. Uh, we can move on with your career. And they also understand things like you know, deficiencies with you know, any type of color in your vision, those type of things. So I, I would really... Uh, Look into that as as far as finding somebody who's a medical examiner. It's really easy to find, though. Uh, it actually is. And I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll throw a link out there uh, if you can't find it. It's on the FAA.gov website. I uh, just took it, put in medical examiners. Um, also, there's uh, another thing you asked as far as compensation. Uh, you can't fly anyone for compensation or hire. Uh, it also, the question was, can you... Uh, have cover have the person you're flying with cover all the costs of flying. Uh, th- this is a kind of an interesting question. You can if you're a commercial pilot, but I think uh, relating to the private pilot, uh, no, you can't really do that. There are there are ways you can have it covered, uh, but that's not in general. If you take someone flying, they can't you can't cover all the costs. Uh, there are certain things in the FARs that that will allow you to actually have all your costs covered and even. Even, even to get paid, but that you have to read the FARs as far as, as the operation, as far as say, say you're doing it for a charitable organization, that type of thing. And I challenge you to go in there and find it. It's actually, it's a cool one to read. Uh, and we've talked about it on Stuck Mike Avcast. It's a really, really a lot of fun. By the way, the reason I'm asking you to look this up is, is that one of the things you're going to do throughout your career, and Robert can back me up on this, is you're, you're going to have to become your own best resource and it's not knowing exactly what the answer is but it's knowing where to find the answer that's really really important so if you are on an airliner and the gate agent asks you how many animals pets can we have in the cabin and you don't know the answer you have to know where to go to find out how many pets we can have in the cabin or if you want to figure out how many quarts of oil that you need to put in the aircraft and you can't remember you need to know where to go to find out how many quarts of oil you need to put in the aircraft or how much fuel you're going to burn at a certain altitude and, and the temperature. You need to know where they are. You don't, you don't necessarily have to know the answer right off the top of your head, but you should know how to get those things. And uh, wouldn't you agree with that, Robert? Oh, yeah. Uh, that is uh, – so, yeah, absolutely. In check rides, that saved me so many times where you <laughs> get asked a question and you go, oh, your mind goes blank, which I know that happens to me a lot. <laughs> and then I go – Oh, I don't, uh, you know, I just forget, but hey, I know exactly where I can find that answer for you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's that's kept me out of a few pink slips. So yes, <laughs> absolutely wisdom to live by. Nowhere to find it. Yeah. Well, you're a che- you were a Czech airman for so long, I'm sure that's come up quite a few times in your check ride. You ask a question and the person doesn't know the answer. Yeah, absolutely. That or, or being a flight instructor when you have a student, one of the best things that you can pass along to your students is if you ask them a question and they go, well, I don't know what well, is it? And you go, I don't know. You tell me, where do you find it? And, and you know, it, it, once you get them to where they know, okay, chapter one in the, in the, you know, the, uh, aircraft manual is limitations and, you know, so forth and so forth. 
when you when you get them to where they know exactly where to go to pull that information out, you you know you're doing good. That's for sure. That's for sure. So get a hold of uh, Mike's suggestion then would be to get a hold of a far aim. The Federal Aviation Regulations and the Airman's Information Manual. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you can hear this. That's my new one. That's my new 2018 Far Aim. I know I do need to get a life, don't I, Robert? But I'm actually sitting here reading a Far Aim and highlighting it. It's it's a blast, and uh, that's where a lot of these technical questions can be answered. And uh, it's all those rules you asked about as far as getting your ratings and certificates and uh, and medical examiners. There's some good stuff in there, uh, and that's where most of your stuff's going to come during your check rides. Is from this Far Aim here and some of the other manuals. And again, you asked about where to find those, and I think. Uh, we're going to continue to put more and more resources out there on, on things to read. Uh, anyway, well, Robert, I think we are out of time. And uh, this has been awesome having you to come back and, and talk to us here uh, as far as, you know, all the different things that are out here and, and the different questions. And it's been been a great resource having somebody who's been a recruiter, been a Czech Airman, and uh, and has had a lot of experience in such a, you know, in, at such a young age has made it to, to such a high point in your aviation career. And that's terrific. But starting off in the beginning and moving forward quickly uh, you're a good example as to as to what you can do and how fast you can move forward so it's been terrific having you on that's for sure robert well thanks for having me i i really enjoy it so uh it's it is always fun and by the way, if you want to get in touch with us, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Just uh, if you want to specifically send it to Robert, you can. You can also click on our picture and uh, on the picture in the top right of me, and it'll take you to the host page. And you can get in touch with the host, uh, but the most general way to do it, feedback at Aviation Careers Podcast. You may not hear from me. You might hear from uh, uh, my, uh, Russ, who's my assistant that helps me out, and also is the person that edits these podcasts. He's been real helpful and actually edits the scholarships guide now. He's been or been doing it for a while. And uh, that that actually has been a great resource, too, because it, at least, you know, your your questions are out there. We're going to get to them uh, again. We've just we have so many we're catching up on a couple months worth. And if because of our new situation, we may be able to put more podcasts out. I know we're doing one a week, but uh, at this rate, we could easily put uh, two out a week. But we want to keep the podcast short and uh, we really appreciate your listening. Again, if you have questions, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. If you're listening to this podcast and, and you're trying to figure out what to do, you know where to move in your life, there's, there's many avenues you can go, listening to podcasts, etc. But the most important thing is, is to do something today and to move forward in your career. Take one step today to move forward in your career, in your life, trying to make a decision about what you should do, what colleges you should go to. Find those resources, those books, those websites, those podcasts, anything that's out there, everything that you can find that will teach you something is going to add to your life, not just in this aviation career, but in general. Well, folks, we'll talk to you next episode and safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.